people forget that business is a game of optimization. We need to continuously be optimizing something that works. Just because we did a great job, well, can we optimize this so that the next time it's easier and better and more efficient? You know, like training your team to think like that, I think is, is super important. They said getting started was the hardest part, but no one told you how hard it is to scale a custom service business. It's time for your team to step up, but your clients want you. Discover how to scale to seven figures and beyond by freeing up time and getting your team to run whole parts of the company so you can focus on scaling profits. This is the Hands Off CEO with Mandy Ellison. Hello, welcome to the Hands Off CEO podcast. Today on our show, we have Taylor McMaster and she is the founder of Dot & Company. And what they do is they help digital marketing agencies keep their clients happy and they do full service a client account management services. And they also train and develop other account managers to be able to support clients to do the same and be able to free up the time and be able to to help them prioritize in the right area. I invited Taylor on the show because we've heard such great things about Taylor and her company. And and also she is becoming a hands-off CEO herself. So so she's been able to show how to to be able to, to master an exceptional service and be able to do it in a way where the CEO can actually drive growth in the company and be able to have space and time for the the other things that are in their life that are a priority. So I'm excited to have Taylor be sharing today because this is a huge problem that we're seeing for our agencies that we work with. And it's actually one of a a piece of our our system too. And I want to hear from her perspective what she's seeing working. So thanks so much, Taylor, for, for coming on the Hands Up CEO podcast. We really appreciate you having, having you here today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I've been a listener of the podcast for a while and it's a topic that is very close to my heart, I guess, you know, stepping away from the day-to-day operations of your business and really stepping into that CEO role. So I'm excited to be here and hopefully can share some nuggets with your audience that they can take away and implement. Yeah, great. Absolutely. And I know you guys have your own podcast too. What is your podcast called? It's called the Happy Clients Podcast. So we talk all about account management over there. Okay, great. One thing I did notice about your podcast as I was digging through it in preparation for the show is that you guys actually have meat. That's how we like to do it at the Hands Off CEO Podcast. We want to get into it. We want to actually give actionable strategies so that listeners can do something with it. And it's not just like the high level conversations that don't really, Mm -hmm. they're just kind of a bunch of dribble. Exactly. And, (laughs) you know, to have a podcast that you can then share with your team and say, hey, this sounds really cool. Let's implement this. Forward it over to your team. That is even better. (laughs) So actually, that's that's really interesting that you mentioned that, Taylor, because actually I was always going through that. I'm like, oh, I should send this over to this person on my team. You know, so it definitely had that factor. So I, I love that you mentioned that. So you know, within context, I just want to share at Hands Off CEO, we talk about these five exits. And Taylor and I were mentioning that just before we push record. We have these five exits to be able to have your business run without you. And the first exit is account management and project management, which are two different things, which I'm sure Taylor will, will, will talk about that. And then the second exit is around operations management. The third exit is around client strategy. The fourth exit is delegating sales. And the fifth exit is really being able to exit yourself as a CEO. And that's where you can actually sell the company for a maximum multiple. Not every agency is going to want to go through all those exits. But one of the things that I wanted to share that's context, because I know account management seems to be the, the hardest one that we find agencies go through. It's like the trickiest. Why do you think it is so hard, Taylor? 
Yeah. And I agree. We were talking about this offline, but account management, you know, it's most of us as agency owners, we start ourselves, right? So we are bringing in clients and a lot of times we're building really deep relationships with these clients. And we think that these clients don't want to work with anybody else, but it's not true. And once you realize that you have somebody on your team that can actually do a better job and who can actually take care of these clients, maybe in a more strategic way than you can, you relinquish this control and this sense of having a white knuckle grip on every aspect of your agency that just goes overnight. And, you know, we work with agency owners of all different sizes. And one specific agency owner said it best the other day, actually on one of our podcasts. And he said, once I brought in an account manager, the 15 hours a week or 60 hours a month of direct account management just vanished. And he was Mm -hmm. able to work on the bigger things within his agency. And I think as an agency owner, because we have this in our head that no one else can do the client management, it's really stopping you. But I think once you have that person in place, you realize that you need to get out of that seat and it's not the right seat for you. Mm. So there's a couple of things that come to my mind here. So what are the systems? You're, you're talking about the right kind of person, right? But the right kind of person, they can come in and they still aren't going to be successful. So what does the right person have to have in place for, for them to be successful? So, so many processes, but the biggest thing is the handover from sales to account manager. That is number one. Mm -hmm. So during your sales process, you need to make sure that the account manager is somehow included in that process or else it will stay with the salesperson or the agency owner. So that is really, really key. It's an expectation setting with your clients. Number two is an onboarding process. So as an account manager, we need to own that process. So whether it's a brand new client or a brand new project, we need to be able to know all of the bits and pieces and the bolts that go into this client's project. If we are not owning that, we will never have full control over that client relationship. So making sure that we have a really solid client onboarding system. Number three would be a communication cadence system. So making sure that the agency owner and everyone on the team really knows who's responsible for each piece of communication. So that, you know, if a client asks a question, we don't want the agency owner jumping in and answering questions or the media buyer jumping in and answering questions. We want to be the one to direct those conversations. So ensuring that everyone's kind of on the same page when it comes to the communication and who's responsible for what. And then of course, there's tons of different SOPs that we use in our day-to-day Things like reporting structures, meeting cadence, asking for surveys from clients, client gifting, all these different SOPs and processes that are all important and can bolt on. But the expectations and the accountability is going to be key if the agency owner wants to actually get out of that account management role. Mm. There were some really brilliant things that you said here I would like to unpack. One of the things around sales in, in the handover on sales So at one point, would you recommend that the account manager be involved in the sales process for the handover? So really the biggest thing is we want to change the narrative from I'm going to help you get these results to my team is going to help you get those results. So ensuring that the salesperson, whoever that is, is speaking in that language, that's really important. We see it 
across different agencies different differently. So sometimes the account manager will come in near the end of that sales process and actually be on one of the calls just to introduce themselves and say like, Hey, I'm Taylor. I'm going to be taking care of you. Like, I can't wait to work with you. Here's how it's going to work. Here's the next steps. Here's the onboarding process. So sometimes they'll actually be involved in that, in that sales process. Sometimes it's that handover once the client has signed on the dotted line. And then it's, then the salesperson will say, so excited to be working with you. Now is the time to meet Taylor, your new account manager. She's going to take it from here and kind of start that onboarding process. The biggest component there is that the salesperson is talking about the account manager during the, the sales process. So it shouldn't be a surprise to the client that they're working with an account manager on the other side. It should be they already know that this is the next step and that that is what's waiting right. for them on the other side. So really, it's around that language. It's around kind of setting them up for success. And then it depends on your process. So our process, we involve the account manager during the sales process. But in some some instances, it doesn't really make sense or maybe it's not the most efficient use of their time, but it's just that expectation. Mm, yeah, I, I love that. That's, that is a really great distinction. And also that it's not a cookie cutter. It's every business is going to be a little bit different and how they're, they're, they've done that. So one of the, the things that you mentioned about the onboarding and that they need to have all the bits and, and bobs and pieces and the bolts of the actual service so this comes down to, this is where we see a big mistake here, is where, and it, why it's so difficult to remove the CEO out of the operation, that the account management is because the account management, project management, and also strategy are all bolted together in one. They are not separated. Is that something that you've seen? We see it all. Sometimes the agency owner wants to still do strategy and that's their sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have direct account manager and then they have a different project manager and then they have a different strategist. We do see it all. The biggest thing that I would say is that the account manager, if they are managing that relationship with the client, we need to know what's coming next. We need to know what that process looks like. Right. So what I would recommend, because I'm very tactical and I like to be like, okay, but what specifically are you doing? Sure. Meet with your team and map it out on like, maybe it's sticky notes, maybe it's like a Miro board, but what does this ideal client onboarding look like for the team and who's involved and who's responsible for each piece? So for example, if you're you know running ads for a coach and they're doing Facebook ads, well, what does that onboarding process really need to look like? So from sales to sending the onboarding documents to who's on that kickoff call, what happens on the kickoff call? How long does it take for strategy to be developed? And what are all the pieces that we need for the strategist? And really getting granular so that you as the account manager feel really confident when speaking to clients, telling them what's coming next. Because knowledge is power, but confidence is so, so important in our role. So if I can say, hey, Mandy, so excited to be working with you. Listen, we have this huge onboarding process. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but here's the exact next steps. And it's going to take two weeks for this stage of our process. So here's exactly what I need. And then I can take that back to the team and map that out through my onboarding process. But to answer your question, we do see kind of all different types of, of teams, but it really comes down to knowing the process that works for your agency and who's responsible. Right, right. So you're talking about the onboarding. Now, would you consider that this the strategic piece where you're actually breaking down what the strategy is for the client 
Would you consider that part of the onboarding or are you looking at that separately? I would say it's a piece of the onboarding. Okay. You know, because we're essentially taking it from sales. So generally the sales team is kind of talking strategy, but the actual strategist has to map out the plan for the client. So that is kind of a piece in the onboarding. So before we can actually, let's say, launch ads, we need a strategy in place. So onboarding to me is from sales handover to actually having ads or marketing live. And then after that, it would be kind of ongoing management. But strategy would be like a big piece of the onboarding process. Mm, Right. So that brings up another point too. A lot of things that we see is there's like, there's a gap between the sales process and then what's actually delivered, which is where the CEO is like freaking out because the, the team is not fig- not getting it. They're, they're not speaking the language that the salesperson is speaking. So there's this big disconnect and clients are feeling like they're not getting what they were sold. So this is where we see a lot of time they're pulled back in. Mm-hmm. So how do you, so, so I mean, there, there's a couple of things there. It's like getting your team to be speaking the same language so it's not siloed. And the other piece is how do you efficiently move the system from sales where you have, you gathered all this information from them how do you make sure that that doesn't get repeated again, inefficient for both the client and for the, the team? Yeah. So this is a huge part of our role as account managers is to ensure that that is seamless. So an easy thing to do is record all your calls. So if you're doing sales calls, record those so that the account manager and the strategist can take a listen and make sure they are understanding what's already been discussed or maybe what needs to be better explained to the client. That is like a really easy thing that you can implement. Onboarding documents, you know, making sure that as you're learning, so as we build processes in an agency, let's say we have something that slips through the cracks and we say, shoot, like we double dipped here and like they already told us all this information. Well, we need to make sure that that's documented somewhere in that process so that it doesn't happen again and again and again. So maybe that's in the onboarding forms. Maybe that's in the sales process notes. There's so many learnings. Like even our team, every single sales call, there's something that we learn that we could improve upon. So, you know, always kind of keeping your ears open to ways that we can improve. And then of course, like, you know, as the CEO, you want to jump in and you want to fix things. But I think the biggest challenge that we have as CEOs is encouraging our team and showing them like, hey, like this isn't how this is done. Next time, make sure it's done this way. And if you're not training yourself to do that, you'll never get out of that seat. So almost like training your team to think like you think. And that takes time. That takes a lot of time and a lot of mistakes. But ensuring that your bigger goal is to get out of the day-to-day. So you need to make sure that they can operate without you. So just for listeners who are, who are are hearing Taylor speak, this is gold. And the distinctions she's making here are absolutely profound when it comes to removing yourself from account management. What I'd love to hear is there's a couple things you mentioned about a process for implementing the learning into the business. And then also the, the process to train your team to think like you. And then also the mistakes. So there's three different pieces here I want to break apart. So let's, first of all, let's talk about the mistakes. So I now would go back. <laughs> yeah. Backwards. So, so here's the thing is that your team is going to make mistakes. How do you make sure that your team doesn't make the wrong kind of mistakes, like bad mistakes that like they'll lose clients over? Because that's the biggest thing, right? They're, they don't, they want to, they jump back in to save the client, the client relationship. So how do you be able to allow your team to make mistakes so they can grow without 
burning a giant hole in your wallet from losing all these clients. Yeah. Honestly, like it's, that's the biggest struggle, right? As any CEO handing the reins over there, that's the biggest fear. I think the best thing that we can do as CEOs is prepare our team as much as possible, but give them the space to ask questions, not letting them get scared to ask questions. So as an example, you know, when I was training team members to take over sales, that is like a really scary thing to get rid of, right? And if you're listening and you've done that, it's like, that is the bread and butter of your business. And if that gets screwed up, the whole thing could catch on fire and it could be bad. And so the way that I approached this, instead of being like, oh my gosh, what if they mess this up? I approached it as, I need to make a plan so that I can get them 80% there and make sure that I have checks and balances so that I quickly train on the mistakes, but the fundamentals are there. So for example, in most businesses, there's a lot of questions that are asked from clients all the time on repeat. So I'd say like 80, 70 to 80% of the questions are going to be questions that are always kind of happening. So really documenting how you like to respond to these questions or what things you look for, what trigger points you look for in clients that they can also look for. So let's say a client is kind of asking a question similar to this. Well, that probably means that they are thinking X and I want you to see that as a flag and here's how I think you should go about it. So training them on frequently asked questions, frequently asked situations, and then the other 20 to 30% that are going to just happen when you're not there, they will start to think like you because you've trained them on the 70 to 80% that happen regularly. Mm. We can't control that other 20%. um, But what we can control is what kind of checks and balances we have on the back end. So maybe it's reviewing client calls. Maybe it's reviewing client emails. Maybe it's reviewing client reports or peeping into Slack messages. All these things we can be checking for to continuously train without being micromanagey. But by training them on the basics, then they understand how you problem solve, how you think about things and how you approach situations. We had an agency owner recently who I was chatting with and he he was like, I can never get out of client management because my clients need me. They only talk to me. I'm the one that they go to. And once we kind of got over that and we put in an account manager and he was going on this one month vacation, he'd never taken a month off his agency before. And so he was going on this vacation. He was like, you know, I... I knew my account manager had it, like they, they, they could speak to clients on my behalf. But what I did was I like listened to the call recordings and looked in Slack for the first three days on my vacation. And after I felt confident that they were problem solving like me, then I just let it go. And they right. came to me if they had questions and I knew that they had it, you know, they had that 80% there. So you just have to kind of like, release a little bit of control, but kind of having those things in the back end where you're, you are getting a gut check to make sure things are running smoothly. And then of course, small mistakes and sometimes big mistakes can happen. Right. And one of the things that I like what you said there about the ongoing training and checking things. But one of the things that we've found that works really well too, is to actually have that rhythm. You've talked about meeting rhythms in the past, but just an expectation that we're having a weekly training 
and that we're going to to be going over a client call, for example, with all the account managers, and that we can learn together as a group. And then it's more about this is a, a general process that we're doing, not so much about I've been checking up on you and you did this wrong. Exactly. Exactly. That feels a lot different. Right, for sure. So um, the other thing that we've looked at too is like, you know, you talked about these mistakes. As part of that 80%, one of the things that we look at is like, what are the mistakes you can never make? Mm. And that is part of that checks and balances. And maybe that's what you actually meant with the checks and balances. But like, what are the, what are those top 10 mistakes that you can never, ever make? So for, at hands off to you, one of the mistakes you can never make is you can never spell someone's name wrong. Never. Triple check the name spelling because that violates one of our core values around spreading sunshine. You don't feel a real sunshiny if someone spells your name wrong. And maybe I have a bias towards it because my name is spelled with an I, Mandy with an I instead of with a Y. But <laughs> right. But I just know that, that that's that's just an example of something that is seems trivial but can change the whole experience. So anyway, I, I like what you talked about with relinquishing control there. And I think that that also hits off the point when we talked about training for what you think. And that and also I think we we actually hit all those points, the process for implementing learning as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, there was another question I wanted to talk about with implementing learning, because as you're going through the onboarding process, you're recognizing that there are parts where you're like, oh, we, this, is a, this is a better way to do things. We're learning things every time. Yeah. So what is the pro- how, do you, how do you approach implementing that process yeah. into uh, the, the learning the process? Because otherwise it's just like great things that, okay, we'll put this on a list somewhere, but like, does it actually get implemented? Right. How, do you, how do you get that implemented? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I find is like, Anytime there's a tiny, not even mistake, but let's say we're like, oh shoot, can you go back and ask the client for this? Or uh, do you know the answer to that? That is an opportunity for you to say, okay, how do we make sure this gets captured in future? How do we make sure that this is included in our process? And then it gets them to think, oh yeah, this should be included in our process. I'm going to add this into the type form or I'm going to add this into the kickoff call script. So always saying like, how can we do this better? How can we do this better? How can we do this better? Because I think people forget that business is a game of optimization. We need to continuously be optimizing something that works just because we did a great job. Well, can we optimize this so that next time it's easier and better and more efficient? You know, like training your team to think like that, I think is is super important. Mm, right. And, and when you're talking about that, what it sounds like is you're actually building that into your whole culture. And it's creating that space where it's not about making mistakes. It's about optimization. It's about looking at ways to do things better. And then it also, what I've found is that team members tend to be a lot more excited about showing up and being part of the solution if they don't feel like they're being blamed. They feel like they're empowered to both support the business. Exactly. If you make a mistake, you feel like, oh, shoot, like that's on me. But if somebody says, that's great, how can we do this better next time? You're like, you're getting creative versus getting like putting up a boundary, I guess. And it's like a team environment. It's like, we're in this together. We are onboarding these clients. How can we do this better? Yeah, absolutely. So then I've seen you talk on your podcast about how account management and project management are different. So how do you see the distinctions and and how would you divide up the role there? Yeah, it's kind of like one of the biggest questions in our industry, right? Like, do I need an account manager or do I need a project manager? And we see it all, but generally in a medium-sized agency, 
you need somebody who's good at both. And anytime that I've worked in an agency, small to medium size, if I'm the one who's responsible for talking to clients and building relationships, I want to know where everything's at. And I want to know what's next, what was already done, what the timelines look like, where the gaps are. I want to hold that information. And if I'm relying on someone else, then it doesn't allow me to feel confident in my role. So when we're hiring, we're looking for people who can do both roles, account management and project management. But the way we look at it is account management first. So relationships, processes, client relationships is our number one. And we also manage projects. Sometimes inside of an agency, you might have support. So maybe it's an assistant or maybe it's, you know, the media buyers doing some of the project management bits and pieces. But I think it just comes down to the accountability of tasking things out and managing that project and keeping people accountable. So I always say I'm the type of person who is not scared to check in on something and say, hey, Mandy, just checking in to make sure we're still on track for Friday. Like, I don't mind asking those questions at all because I want to make sure my clients are happy. And I'm going to do it in a really friendly and, and respectful way of my team so that everyone feels really supported. So I look at project management as not something that's super rigid and super behind the scenes. I like it to be fluid. I like to know where things are at. And I like to be in control of that as an account manager because if a client's on a call and they ask me, hey, like, when do you expect that we'll see those deliverables? I want to know that. And I want to feel confident that my team is actually going to get stuff done. So we kind of look at it as, as... two in one. But sometimes in larger organizations, it totally makes sense to have a divided account manager and a divided project manager if the projects are really, really large, like huge website builds or huge email campaign builds. You know, There's a time and a place for a specific project manager. Sure. I love that answer. And that's also why we have both of them together in one exit. The account ma- for account management, client support, different different companies will call it different things and project management because they there's so much overlap. There is, there is. And sometimes it's a wasted energy. You know, I've worked in small to medium-sized agencies and we had a project manager and account manager and it just was, we were double dipping on, on work and right. it just didn't really make sense. Yeah, that's a great distinction. So you mentioned a little bit about what you're looking for in a camp manager. If you are either looking internally within your team or looking at hiring outside, what are the, the qualifications? What what are the personality traits? What are those what are the things that you're looking for in a good account manager aside from their ability with I mean, you mentioned a little bit about the project management, but I'd love to to go a little deeper into that. Yeah. So we're very picky with who we hire to be in this role, but There's some key characteristics of a really good account manager. And number one is they have to have the personality and they have to be energized by speaking to clients. If they are somebody who's like really dreading client meetings and really dreading that relationship, that is not the right seat for them. So personality and make sure the energy is is there. And then next would be like the written communication skills are super key. Um, and then verbal communication skills. So having the ability to articulate results to clients and to problem solve with clients and to pick up on kind of those human nature type of things. So that comes into personality. 
they have to have the experience in marketing. So, you know, if you're hiring somebody straight out of college, that is that is cool, but it's going to take you a lot longer to get them up to speed than somebody who has experience already working with clients in the digital marketing world. So we look for people with like a lot of experience. And then once you kind of think about your your agency and what kind of clients you have, then you're going to start to dig into, do they have experience within this specific industry? So maybe it's running meta ads or maybe it's you know content creation. Then you're going to want to get a little bit more specific into that. And then I'll keep going because my list is very long. Please, please continue. This <laughs> they, is have, very good. they have to be very organized and on time. So they need to be the people who get stuff done the people who are, who just love to organize stuff. So project management, you know, you need to be organized. You have to love writing a good email. You just have to have all those qualities. And unfortunately for us, who are the ones hiring these people, they have to showcase pretty much all of those qualities to be a really good account manager. If they don't have the personality or they don't have the written comms, it's really challenging to teach that. If they already have the personality and the the skill sets, then that is something that you can kind of build upon and teach teach them to think like you and and work you know within your your agency's core values. But you know if they don't have a lot of those characteristics, then it can be challenging to train somebody on that. Yeah, definitely. Those are that's a great list of things to look for in an account manager. And one of the things that I've noticed with this too is, you know, you mentioned the energy, you talked about the personality. And I think one of the aspects of that that we have isolated is empathy, mm-hmm. like an ability to listen and to be able to listen to like a sales call, for example, and then be able to understand like what is the actual pain that they're experiencing and what is like to be able to read between the lines to understand what is the, what is the result that we're actually delivering for them. And too often account managers, project managers, you know, the the support staff that are working with your team, just they're so siloed in the way that they're thinking that they're not actually able to think about it from from their perspective, from what they actually want, what they're actually buying. They're not here for deliverables. They want results. And if they can't communicate the results that they're getting, they're going to always want the CEO because the CEO can communicate that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And understanding that it's not just tasks on your list. It's a human being with a family on the other side. And they want these results because they're pushing their business forward. And being able to being able to be on the side of the agency and on the side of the client at the same time is, like you said, Mandy, empathy is is a key, key thing that you need to look for. Right. Well, you've shared some really great pieces of advice here about getting an account manager up to speed, what to look for in an account manager. I know that your team actually comes in there and puts in place, you, you actually have a done for you service where you're doing this, right? Yes. Yeah. So we have a team of 30 plus account managers and we work fractionally inside of marketing agencies. And then we also do help with training. So if you have somebody on your, on your team that is an account manager or maybe is leveling up to be an account manager, we help with coaching and training. Mm, great. Love it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and for for sharing um, your expertise. Was there any question that I didn't ask that I should have asked? Hmm. I would say maybe when we're thinking about hands-off CEO, like maybe what is the biggest, biggest thing you need to get off your plate besides account management? 
Yeah. So what is the biggest thing to get off your plate besides account management? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I have, Mandy and I were talking offline, but I have fully kind of removed myself from every aspect of the, the agency operations, but finding a really good second in command. So finding somebody who can actually manage the team, manage projects and budgets and kind of be that person for you until you have a leader you will never kind of get out of that day-to-day seat. You mm-hmm. have to start with client management, getting off go off your plate, but then having a second in command is key. And that has changed the game for me. Yes, absolutely. Lots of different titles for that. Operations manager, second in command, COO. There's lots of different titles for that. But, and I will also add into that, that's one of the biggest things that we see with agencies and consulting companies as well. When they're, when they're stuck in, you know, between one and three million, it's usually because they don't have adequate support on the management side. Exactly. Yeah. You're the, you're always the go-to if you don't have another go-to. Yeah, definitely. So Taylor, where can people find you and what's the best way to get in contact with you? So you can find us over at dotandcompany.co or connect with me on LinkedIn, Taylor McMaster. We have a podcast as well and tons of resources over on our website. And you guys have this great onboarding checklist over on your website. Is that right? Do you want to we do. share a link to that? Yes. Or is it so just on your you, website? I know we talked a little bit about onboarding, but if you just want to take a peek behind the scenes, we have a free checklist. You can download client onboarding checklist over on our website. And so if you head over to dotandcompany.co, you will see it right on the top, right? Available for you to download. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I downloaded that. I had a chance to look at it. I know you guys guys have a little links for how to actually install it into your project management system of of choice. I thought that was really nifty. Yeah, great resource. Thanks so much for sharing and thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing your brilliance. Really appreciate it having you here, Taylor. Thanks so much for having me, Mandy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hands Off CEO with Mandy Ellefson. If you want to work less and make more, make sure you subscribe and get a new episode every week and help spread the word by leaving a review.